For this podcast episode, it's a book review on a book called I See You, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives, written by Julie Lee. I discovered Julie when I was listening to a different podcast called Listen, Learn, and Love with Richard Osler, and she was on as a guest. My husband and I were on his podcast discussing our journey with losing our son, and then I reached out to her because she has a podcast also called I See You, and I offered to be a guest, and I spoke on her podcast about my journey after Wesley died with music and songwriting. She's awesome. She's super genuine. I love listening to her podcast because her style is what I'd always envisioned if I had done a podcast, what I would go for is just being very authentic and real and personable. Um, Because at that point I hadn't started mine yet, but I had bought the equipment. I just hadn't pulled the trigger. And I, I loved meeting her and she had just finished publishing, getting a book published. And the timing was really critical because, you know, with quarantine starting back in March of 2020, uh, people have been more isolated than ever. And it's even more important now to connect with people authentically so that people don't feel so isolated or so lonely. Now everything's different now that, you know, quarantine is a lot lighter. For some people, they're not even living any type of quarantine whatsoever. It just depends on what state you're in and your lifestyle. But I still feel like because of the pandemic and because people have been social distancing, um, that there are some residual changes that we're going to be facing. Like when you're at the grocery store, at least for me, when I'm, I live in Utah, masks are still on. It's still a mandate. So you're used to standing six feet apart from people. You're not typically communicating with anybody. Uh, Unless you run into somebody you know, you might say hi, but you're not having like, I feel like people were more friendly before, more conversation. And I'm not saying that small talk at the grocery store is, you know, like a real authentic way to communicate with people, but it really can actually make a difference. I was listening to a um, speaker uh, at a church event and she was telling a story about how she was standing in line at a grocery store and she struck up a conversation with a guy in front of her who was buying cat food and she said something like I see you have a cat and he said yeah and he started talking to her about the cat and he's like you know there's a storm coming in and so I wanted to get this food so I wouldn't you know run out and he was Uh, He must have been a lonely older man that didn't have a lot of people to talk to because he said, you know, I haven't told anybody this yet today, but today's my birthday. And she said, happy birthday. And like, that was the kind of conversation he needed. He needed to connect with somebody that day because if he hadn't told anybody yet that it was his birthday, clearly he hadn't been getting any birthday wishes. So you have this person who feels isolated and a small talk conversation at the grocery store did give him that connection. So it... Having people not talking creates less connection. Even if, you know, most conversations at the grocery store aren't going to be a day changer for people, you know? You never you never know. That's the thing. Um, so I just worry that because people are less social, that the people that were already feeling isolated or needing connection are going to be feeling even less connected. And, um, you know, that's a scary thing because suicides have been going up, especially this last year. So I just want to talk about a few of my favorite parts of the book. Um, 
because I loved it. And I think it's really touches on a very important topic. In the introduction, she says, my purpose in writing this book is to bring into stark clarity how badly we as a collective society need to engage with each other in a real authentic way. If we are to combat the onslaught of isolation, loneliness, and even suicide, we need to look each other in the eyes when we speak and touch each other on the shoulder when we greet. At worst, loneliness is a life or death situation, and at best, it creates an unsatisfactory life. I am confident that human compassion and connection is the antidote to our often disconnected culture. So that's what I'm worried about. How much more disconnected is culture going to be because of the pandemic? Um, And how more disconnected are we because of technology? So the story I was telling you about the lady talking to the guy buying the cat food, she had had a spiritual prompting telling her to stop being on her phone when she's in lines at stores. Because she had asked in prayer one time, what is something that she could start or stop doing to be closer to God? And she felt prompted to stop being on her phone when she was waiting in lines. And so the next day she was in line at a grocery store and like normal, she grabbed her phone because that's what she, you know, it was kind of had trained herself to do. And then she remembered that conversation she'd had with God. So she put her phone down and then she picked up, you know, she started a conversation with a guy buying the cat food. And it happened to be a very important conversation for him because he was able to connect with somebody on his birthday when he hadn't been able to share that with anybody. You just never really know who needs, you know, it sounds like such a cliche, but you never know who needs, you know, that smile or that reassurance I can't remember the situation around it exactly, but earlier this week, I was having a bad day and I was like feeling rushed or emotional. I can't even remember, but I remember somebody waving me into a lane when I was trying to change lanes and just being really friendly about it. And I was like thinking I needed that so badly today. That made a difference in my day. My day's rough and that was just like a ray of sunshine. So the little things you never know when it's going to make a difference. At the beginning of the book, Julie gets really vulnerable and she talks about her struggle with mental health and how she was so overcome with her struggle that she found herself lying on the bathroom floor. And she says, a a fellow human being collapsed on the floor. Do you connect with my cry for relief? Can you picture me in your mind? Have you ever felt that desperate? Is there anything that would hold you back from getting down on that floor with me? Would you feel too embarrassed to get close to me where I can see your face? Um, This reminds me of an experience I had my freshman year of college. I was struggling with an eating disorder that I'd had off and on since I was 16. So this was three years later. And I was struggling because I wasn't open with anybody about it. Um, I was in a new environment, freshman, you know, just making friends. And that's not one of the things you say when you're meeting somebody like, oh, hey, I'm Camille. I'm from California. I have an eating disorder. You know, it's just not one of the things you say. And until I found a support group on campus where I could just be myself and talk about it and it was a safe place, that connection was what allowed me to have the strength and the insight so that I could recover And it was actually the cool thing about the group. It was based on the 12 steps, but then we also incorporated 
teachings from scripture about Jesus Christ and his ability to help us heal. So it was those two, um, those two factors, but just like a 12 step program, like AA, I was paired with a mentor, somebody who had already recovered from an eating disorder. And she was a senior. Um, I was a freshman, so she was four years older than me. And I really looked up to her. Her name was Jamie. And she was just like my light at the end of the tunnel. I looked at her and I thought, okay, if she can get through this and go on and live a happy, productive life, she's graduating from college. She's engaged to get married. She's doing, you know, good things. She's happy with where she's at. If she can do it, then maybe I can do it too. If it was possible for her, maybe it's possible for me. And so because she put herself out there, signed up to be a mentor in this program, allowed herself to be vulnerable with somebody else, it was able to be that that hand that I needed to hold for a little while so that I could get my strength. And then later on, after I recovered from my eating disorder, I stayed in the program as a mentor for a couple of years, which was a really cool experience. But everyday life isn't as structured as a 12-step program, but we still need to be there for each other. So, so how can we show up for each other in an authentic, meaningful way when we're just living everyday life? Well, for me, when the situation comes up and people are talking about past struggles or, you know, conversations come up that are on a deeper level. As I've gotten older, I've become more comfortable just talking about my life without putting any shame or stigma on it and saying, oh yeah, like when I was recovering from an eating disorder, because when I give permission for myself to be vulnerable and open, it opens the door for other people to feel permission for themselves if they're not already comfortable. Because some people already are comfortable, maybe even more comfortable than me just being open. But other people are kind of waiting to see, like, where are we going with this conversation? Okay, you're going to be open. Okay, I'm going to be open now too. And so just being willing to share a part of yourself that isn't making you look like your best and brightest and being able to share this perspective you've gained from a hard time and being open about that, that is super important because if we just, you know, pretend like we've never struggled and just kind of fake it through life, that's not, that's not helpful for anybody. And it's not healing for us either to carry a bunch of shame around because of experiences we've had that we've grown from. She has a chapter about replacing comparison. Comparing yourself to other people constantly, that's the kind of mindset I had when I had an eating disorder. If somebody else you know, is skinnier than me, then that means that, and I put a lot of weight on it, like not, no pun intended, but if somebody else looks better than me, that means that they are better than me. And that means that I am worse than them. It's basically your mind is kind of in prison and you can't relax. You can't just enjoy and appreciate what you have and what other people have and be happy for them because you're constantly measuring yourself up against other people. And it can be something that you're obsessed about and it can be something that's really damaging basically comparing yourself to other people comes from a personal place of i'm not enough because if you are only enough if you exhibit to be better than someone else then 
that means that you're just, you're starting out empty and you're only giving yourself credit for something if you seem to be on top of where other people are. Especially when I was younger, I felt it. Like, you know, there was that pressure to get married and have a cute family and buy your first house, you know, when you're in your 30s or whatever. Um, And like, look like you have it all together. You know, have the really cute Christmas card, the cute family photos, your kids wearing the perfect clothes because it's a reflection of you and it makes you look like you've got your crap together. And I remember having competitive friendships when I was a kid um, and in high school. And it's hard to connect with other people authentically when you're competing with them, obviously. Um, And so she talks about how once you find out what your gifts are and you have confidence in that, it's easier to stop comparing yourself to other people and stop competing and just relax a little bit and appreciate what strengths you have. And when when you can appreciate what strengths you have, you can appreciate the strengths other people have, which might be totally different than your own. And acknowledge, you know, and be happy for them when they have successes, even if those successes might be in the same category as you. When somebody else has success, let's say I I love singing and I have some songs on iTunes. When somebody else puts a song out and it does really well and they're successful and people love it, it doesn't mean that they don't love my songs. It just means that somebody else did something great. That doesn't mean that my achievement is less great because somebody else did something great. And so as I've gotten older, I've realized this and it's helped me to be more supportive of myself and give myself some compassion, which allows me to be genuinely happy for other people when they have successes because it doesn't take away from me. It doesn't mean anything about me. And that's a great thing to be able to have friendships with people where they are succeeding in areas of my life that I'm trying to succeed in and we can cheer each other on. The chapter, What Makes Us Powerful, in the book I see was probably the most inspiring for me. She says... My definition of a gift is a talent that comes naturally. A superpower is made when we combine that gift with our transformative life experiences. She goes on to say, what is my superpower to give? What gift can I combine with my plot twist? Now her plot twist, as I discussed earlier, was that she had some mental illness issues creep up in her 20s that she never knew she would ever have to face. She says, I've been people crazy for as long as I can remember. I love being around other people, connecting with them and learning their stories. From a young age, making friends came easily to me. That is one of my gifts. Um, Her plot twist, she talks about it. Depression and anxiety. The life experience that I had spent years wishing a fairy godmother would take away. Once I stopped running from my challenge, accepted it and found healing, my experiences gave me insight into how to help others. Combining my insight into mental health and my ability to connect with others has resulted in one of my greatest treasures and superpowers, the ICU mission. I work every day to strengthen my superpower to see people better. So that's what really resonated with me. I have a lot of similarities to the author of this book, Julie. I love connecting with people. I love learning about them and talking to people, making friends. And for me, a couple of my plot twists was like the the eating disorder I struggled with. Um, That gave me empathy. And then losing my son Wesley three years ago 
has given me a lot of empathy. And it's when you can take the empathy that you've gained from the challenges you've had in your life and, you know, a gift that you have, something that you love to do and you can combine it. That's, that's super powerful. And that's what I, why I started this podcast is because it gives me an outlet to be able to connect with people and share my stories and share the stories of other people. Like I want to be doing book reviews at least every few months on the podcast, do a few a year. Because I think it's so important to just share. Because if we share with each other, then we strengthen everyone. It's a rising tide lifts all ships. And I know sometimes you can put yourself out there and not have that rewarding moment when it's reciprocated or you feel seen or you feel heard. And you're kind of maybe embarrassed. Like, why did I do that? I was listening to a speaker named Brandon Solser. He was on a YouTube video. And he had an experience after he'd been paralyzed from an accident where he was at church and he had a spiritual prompting. He needed to go say hi to somebody. Well, that he first needed to look behind him. He was sitting in, in a church pew. Church has, was about to start. He looked behind him and he saw this guy with like just a sad, downtrodden countenance. And he didn't look like he fit in. He'd never seen him before. And he just had a prompting to wheel his wheelchair on up and say hi to him and introduce himself and just say like, I'm glad you're here today and look him in the eyes and really connect with him. And he did that. And even though it was kind of awkward, like he'd never met this guy before, he was just following through on what he felt he needed to do. And he got a private message. I think it was six or eight years later from this guy saying, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you at church one time and you made such an impact on my life that I named my first son after you and apparently he was at a really low point in his life and he was thinking about ending his life and this conversation was like a turning point for him so sometimes you might want to put yourself out there and don't you don't have those you know he didn't have that satisfaction of knowing like his his actions really mattered until he got that private message years later So sometimes you have to just put yourself out there and it doesn't maybe turn into something or you don't know it turned into something. But if you feel you have a, you know, a thought that you should do something, um, never suppress that generous thought, just go forward and do it. Even if it puts you on the spot and it might be a little bit uncomfortable. It's such a gift to be able to be uncomfortable for other people. It's such a gift because people need that. And if you're willing to put yourself out there, then that's, that's an amazing gift that you can offer. Another um, an excellent point she makes is slowing down. Slowing down gives us space to see other people and create meaningful connections with them. If we're rushing and always multitasking, if we're always on our phone, you know, when we're standing in line and we're never talking to anybody, how can we connect? If we're too busy to stop and look around us and see what's going on, then we're not going to be able to make meaningful connections. We're not going to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. They're not going to feel seen. They're not going to feel seen or noticed if we're too busy to see or notice them. In chapter 10 of her book, I See You, Julie talks about how you have to keep the lights on. If She says, if we want to see people with clarity to connect and have compassion on them, we need to feed the light within us. It's nearly impossible to see people if the lights are out. 
Sometimes darkness comes into our lives through no fault of our own. Chemical imbalances and traumatic experiences can make it especially difficult to feel the light. I am grateful for medication, therapy, and all resources dedicated to helping those of us affected in this way. That self-care is so critical because if you're not focused on it, it's super easy to let it slip. Something about being able to show up for other people, though, is that it's healing. Like, I guarantee you that the author of this book, Julie Lee, finds it healing when she can share her hardships with other people to lift them up. Like, it's part of, I think, I think in, in so doing, it, it kind of heals your soul, and it, it is a form of self-care. But you can't give anything if you're completely depleted. If your lights are out you have, and you have nothing to give, you can't offer that healing to others or to yourself. How comfortable are you with negative emotions? Can people spill their negative emotions with you and you can just listen without trying to fix it? Um, she makes a really good point. She says, we ditch trying to fix it when we allow ourselves and others to feel all the feelings without guilt or expectation. We weren't born to fix others. We were born to see people, to connect with them and to have compassion on them. There's nothing worse than trying to spill your guts in front of somebody or even just share something personal and having them try to annihilate the negative. Well, have you thought about this? Have you tried this so that you can feel better? Because it's like the person hearing it can't handle that there's some you know negative emotions that they can't control. They're trying to fix it and, and control. It's like, no, you just need to listen. You just need to let it be and allow that other person to have to share their experience with you without you trying to, you know, shine a bright light on it, which can be difficult to do. Sometimes people just need to be heard. They don't need you to offer suggestions. They don't need you to fix them. They just want to share what their journey is. And that's the healing part for them is to just be able to share it and to be heard. You're creating a safe space for them to have that opportunity. And that's all they need. To finish it up, I wanted to let you guys know I'm going to be doing a book giveaway. So I'm going to be giving a copy of the book and mailing it to somebody for free. And I'm going to be doing a random drawing of people who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. Last point I want to make before finishing up is that she says that if you have black and white thinking, then you're going to have a harder time connecting with people and learning from them. She talked about how she was listening to an interview. Oprah was doing an interview with an actor and she had like a knee jerk reaction to judge the actor. Well, he did this and I don't agree with that. And so I can't learn anything from this guy. I should just turn it off. But she kept listening and she listened to a 30 minute interview and said, I learned, I learned a lot and it was humbling for her because she realized that even though they're not a, similar in every single facet of life, that she could still appreciate and grow from his insights. And so if we create walls by saying, well, you know, that person's a different race than me, or they're from a different part of the country than me, or a different part of the world, they have a different sexual orientation than me, um, they're a different religion than me. And if we put up those walls and say we're so different and we objectify the other person, then we're missing out on the opportunity to connect with them and and appreciate what they can what we can learn from them and their insights and the value that they add to the world. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and 
Like I said, if you want to be entered to win a free book, just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much.